listening to Just Gooey Things. Ooh. Hey, Boo Thanks. I don't know what that was. <laughs> and welcome back to Just Gooey Things. And we are your beautiful hosts, Rebecca and Lily. Hey. I look like one of those professors that has one of those things that go to their smart board, like a little laser, and like, and this is oh, where yeah, the esophagus is. So oh, no, yeah. Yeah, the, the clicker. The pie like, thing or whatever. I don't know. A pie like, chart? Yeah, that. <laughs> How long has it been since Rebecca's been in a university class? Well, speaking of... Not too long because Lily and I were on a Zoom call with a podcasting class at Monmouth University, which is located in our home state of New Jersey. And Lily, okay. tell us a little bit about that because... It was incredible. Well, it was really cool, especially because, like, you know how your caption was like, I never thought I'd wake up for an 8 a.m. again. <laughs> That's what I said after two weeks of an 8 a.m. psych class in uh, 2015. Oh, the good old days. The good old days. Yeah. No, that was two months. Anyways, so we got to speak with these students regarding, like, it was a really cool class. So the class study was podcasting, and they, each student, like, was do, working on their own podcast, and they, like, mm-hmm went around and told us what they were working on. There were some, like, movies and music and video games and skateboarding, and one was talking about, like, I think it's an Italian family, right? Mm -hmm. I think it was her crazy Italian family, and one was just, you know, they were all so different, but, like, it was really cool to just kind of also, like, see what a Zoom class is like lately. So today we are going to be talking about a very interesting topic that we've actually never talked about before surprisingly I feel like lately we've been revisiting topics that we've previously Mm -hmm. touched upon in other episodes but because it is the beginning of December the final month of 2020 home stretch baby yes yes we are going to be talking about creepy Christmas legends this is like my thing because I fucking love Christmas same I'll start off with my story. We are going to be learning about the Christmas urban legend of Krampus. Krampus! Don't say it like <laughs> Krampus. Krampus! So, when listening to the radio in December, it's unlikely to hear holiday songs singing about the praises of Krampus, <laughs> who is a half-goat, half-demon, horrific beast who literally beats people into being nice and not naughty. And I just need to put this out there, guys. I did not come up with that beginning intro line. Um, this was actually from an article on National Geographic, which which was my main source for today's research. I love National Geographic. They have some amazing work on their page. And a lot of the legends that we've talked about on here or history on different locations around the world, I've gotten my research through National Geographic. Last week. Last mm-hmm. week was National Geographic. The Great. best YouTube video, I've told you about this, I've mentioned this on the podcast before, The Fox in Chernobyl Who Makes a Sandwich, mm-hmm. that's a National Geographic video. Really? Well, not Or someone sent it there. Conti- I just, I love that video. Continue. <laughs> so, the legend is part of a centuries-old Christmas tradition in Germany where Christmas celebrations begin in early December. Krampus' name is derived from the German word Krampen, meaning claw, was created as a counterpart to the kindly Saint Nick, who rewarded children with sweets. Krampus, in contrast, would swat wicked children, stuff them in a sack, and take them away to his lair. So it's called Nicholastag, or St. Nicholas Day, when children look outside their door to see if the shoe or boot they'd left out on the night before contains either presents 
a reward for good behavior, or a rod, which symbolizes bad behavior. A rod of what? Just I metal? Guess. Just a metal rod? I guess that's up for you to find out, Lil. In Catholicism, St. Nicholas is the patron saint of children. His saint's day falls in early December, which helps strengthen his association with the Yuletide season. Many European cultures not only welcome the kindly man as a figure of generosity and benevolence to reward the good, but they also feared his menacing counterparts who punished the bad. Parts of Germany and Austria dread the beastly Krumpus, while other Germanic regions have Felsnickel and Nechtrupecht, a Blackbeard. You say that so much better than I do. I'm the Blackbearded man who carries switches to beat children. So France has Hans Trapp and Pierre Batard, who. Pear. Pear? It's Pear? Like oh. Pear Noel. What's that? My father's listeners. Actually? Oh, never knew that. So, uh, some of these helpers, such as Zwartz Piet in the Netherlands, have attracted recent controversy. And I just made a note because I was like, who the hell is this Zwart Piet? And as soon as I looked up the name, I figured out why it's controversial. And it's pretty much just one giant word blackface. Um, and I'm going to link a National Geographic article. Krampus isn't exactly a dreamboat himself. Bearing horns, dark hair, fangs, and a long tongue, the anti-Saint Nicholas comes with a chain and bells that he lashes about, along with a, a bundle of birch sticks meant to swat naughty children. He then hauls the bad kids down to the underworld, which is his lair. So a more modern take on the tradition in Austria, Germany, Hungary, Slovenia, and the Czech Republic involves drunken men dressed as devils who take over the streets for a Krumpus walk a Krumpus run of sorts, when people are chased through the streets by the <laughs> devils. Yeah. Drunken men are the devil. <laughs> so, that is one way to get my ass doing some cardio, to be honest with you. <laughs> That's the only way to get my ass doing some cardio. So Krumpus's frightening presence has not always been embraced the way it is now. It was, in fact, suppressed for many years. The Catholic Church forbade the celebrations, and fascists in World War II Europe found Krumpus despicable because it was considered, get this, a creation of the Social Democrats. So Krumpus has been having a resurgence over the past few years, thanks partly to the bah humbug attitude in pop culture nowadays, <laughs> with people searching for ways to celebrate the Yuletide season in non-traditional ways. In the United States, people are embracing the dark side of Christmas with Krampus movies, special Krampus television episodes. Uh, they're also running in Krampus-themed races. So I personally first heard of Krampus from the movie that was released in 2015 I called remember. Krampus. I uh, loved that movie, and it was directed by Michael Doherty. And in the film, it's about a dysfunctional family squabbling, um, which ends up causing the young boy in the family to lose his festive spirit. And doing so unleashes the wrath of Krampus, a fearsome, horned demonic beast in ancient European folklore who punishes the naughty children at Christmas time. And as Krampus lays siege to the neighborhood, the family must band together to save one another from a monstrous fate. So if you haven't watched that yet, it's you so guys good. have to watch it. I have my first one that you have to do with the holidays, who I didn't even think was an actual piece of folklore, is Belschnickel. Okay. Who you, our office fans have seen where Dwight comes in and he's like, oh, Belschnickel is nigh. So Belschnickel roughly translates um, from Belsch being fur in German. It comes from the German word for fur. And nickel, of course, coming from St. Nicholas. So ah. 
Belschnickel is basically Saint Nick, but he's like covered in fur and pelts. Very well executed by Dwight Trude, I have to say. Now that I'm looking back on that scene from The Office, right? Stop. Like they did their research. So this figure from German folklore, <laughs> this figure from German folklore, does indeed dole out the occasional gift like Santa Claus. He even carries a sack filled with candy and nuts for good little children. That, however, is where the similarities will end. So instead of a nice coat, Belschnickel's furs are really grimy and they're just sometimes just dirty, right? And while St. Nick will just leave a lump of coal for naughty children, Belschnickel will whip them on their backs with a switch. Oh, not so nice. No, so he's very, he's like the troubled sibling of the Claus brothers. All right, my second one is called La Bafana. It's a Christian legend uh, from Italy, oh. originating in Italy. So Christian legend had it that Bafana was approached by the biblical magi, also known as the three wise men, or the three kings. Yep. A few days before the birth of infant Jesus, they asked for directions to where the Son of God was, as they had seen his star in the sky, but she did not know. She provided them with shelter for a night, as she was considered the best housekeeper in the village, with the most pleasant home. The Magi invited her to join on the journey to find baby Jesus, but she declined, stating she was too busy with her housework. Later, La Bafana had a change of heart and, and tried to search out the astrologers and Jesus. That night, she was not able to find them, so to this day, La Bafana is searching for the little baby. She leaves all the good children with toys and candy, caramel is what they call that, or fruit, while the bad children get coal, carbone, carbone, and caramelle, onions, so the bad children will get onions or garlic. Uh, another Christian legend takes a slightly darker tone as La Bafana was an ordinary woman with a child whom she greatly loved. However, her child passed away and her resulting grief maddened her. Upon hearing news of Jesus being born, she set out to see him, delusional that he was actually her son. Mm. Uh, she eventually met Jesus and presented him with gifts to make him happy. The infant Jesus was delighted and he gave La Bafana a gift in return. She would be the mother of every child in Italy. So Aww. that one's a bit of a roller coaster, right? She loses the baby. She finds the baby. The baby loves her. Now everyone's her baby. Okay. It's very Oprah. You yeah. get a baby. You get a baby. You get a baby. Definitely an Oprah move. Oprah vibes, right? And what what's wrong? Nothing wrong with a little bit of Oprah. Never. Um, so popular tradition tells that if one sees La Bafana, one will receive a thump from her broomstick as she doesn't wish to be seen. This aspect of the tradition may be designed to keep children in their beds. <laughs> Good idea. Yeah. And another commonly heard Christian legend of La Bafana starts at the time of the birth of baby Jesus. In this telling, Bafana spent her days cleaning and sweeping. One day, the Magi came to her door in search of the baby Jesus. However, Bafana turned them away because she was too busy cleaning. This is very consistent. <laughs> Um, feeling guilty, she eventually decides to find Jesus on her own by following a bright light in the sky, which she believes points the way. She brings along a bag filled with baked goods and gifts for Jesus and a broom to help the new mother clean. Unfortunately, despite her best efforts, she never finds him. 
And according to this telling, Bafana is still searching all these centuries for the newborn Messiah. And on the eve of the Epiphany, um, Bafana comes to every house where there is a child and leaves a gift. Although she has been unsuccessful in her search, she still leaves gifts, gifts for good children because the Christ child can be found in all children. Oh, that's sweet. Right? So Bafana was never a widespread tradition among the whole Italian people, having originated in Rome and having only become well-known and practiced by the rest of the population during the 20th century. So this is still kind of a new thing. I actually have heard of La Bafana. Oh, not because, because my family's actually from southern Italy. Okay. Yours is too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I've never heard of this. Yeah. So La Bafana, I actually heard of plot twist in Disney World. House. So in Epcot, we we love going around Christmas time. Mm-hmm. So they used to. I don't know if they still do it because I haven't seen them for a while. The past few years we went, but um, they would have like La Bafana come out and tell her Christmas story, and they would have like Père Noël in the France Pavilion of Epcot, and oh. they would have Father Christmas in the UK Pavilion, and like even China has a Christmas like. They had, I think it was, like, a monkey spirit. I'm totally going to be wrong and sound uncultured. Christmas in Disney sounds so freaking magical. I've always seen videos, and I've always wanted to go I've been a few Halloween times. and Christmas. I've always wanted to go during Halloween. We next should go year. next year. Yeah, I'm totally done. Yes, okay. Um, anyway, sorry. Enough of us planning the future. Um, where was I? Bafana. Many people believe that the name Bafana is derived from the Italian's mispronunciation of the Greek word epiphania or epiphania, um, which means obviously epiphany. Right? Epiphany, epiphania, Bafana. Sounds similar. Yeah. Um, others point to the name being a derivative of Bastrina, the gifts associated with the goddess Strina. In the book Domestic Life in Palestine by Mary E. Rogers, um, which is by Poe and Hitchcock, 1865, the author notes, but an essay on the fine arts by E.L. Tarbuck led me to believe that this custom is a relic of pagan worship and that the word bastrina refers to the offerings which used to be made to the goddess Strinia. Uh, We could hardly expect that the pagans who embraced Christianity could altogether abandon their former creeds and customs. Macaulay says, quote, Christianity conquered paganism, but paganism infected Christianity. The rites of the pantheon passed into her, quote, worship and the worship and the subtitles of the academy into her creed. Many pagan customs were adopted by the new church. T. Hope, in his essay on architecture, says, quote, the Satomalia were continued in the carnival and, or carnival, I don't know, and the festival with offerings to the goddess Strinia was continued in that of the new year. So this whole thing lasted really long, as it should, as the holidays should, and a theory actually connects the tradition of exchanging gifts to an ancient Roman festivity in honor of Lanus, Iannus, Yanus, Iannus? Is that a capital I or a lowercase l? That's capital I, right? This is why I have trust issues. And Strenia. In Italian, a Christmas gift used to be called Strena. Celebrated at the beginning of the year when Romans used to give each other presents. 
So this Bafana appears to be heir at law of a certain heathen goddess called Strenia who presided over the New Year's gifts, Strenae, from which indeed she derived her name. Her presents were of the same description as those of Bafana, figs, dates, and honey. Moreover, the solemni solemnities were vigorously opposed by the early Christians on account of their noisy, riotous, and licentious character. The tradition of Bafana appears to incorporate other pre-Christian popular elements as well, adapted to Christian culture and related to the celebration of the New Year. And a historian named Carlo Ginsberg relates her to Nick Nevin, N-I-C-N-E-V-I-N. -E the old lady character should then represent the old year just passed, ready to be burned in order to give place to a new one. In many European countries, the tradition still exists of burning a puppet of an old lady at the beginning of the year called Giumbiana in northern Italy with clear Celtic origins. Italian anthropologists Claudia and Luigi Manichocco? Manichocco. Okay, wait, it's one C and then... Manciaccio. Manciaccio, that's what we're going to say. In their book, Una Casa Senza Porte, A House Without Doors, trace Bethana's origins back to Neolithic beliefs and practices. But we're not going to go back that far. But a team of anthropologists also wrote about Bafana as a figure that evolved into a goddess associated with fertility and agriculture. So it kind of seems like there are there seems to be a bunch of different origin stories to mm -hmm. Bafana, but who she is and what she represents kind of there's like a general consensus that she is um, in relation to children. Yes. And agriculture, giving, like honey, fertility, and, good yeah. things. Yeah, things we associate with being good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've never heard of Bafana. Now I've learned something new. I didn't. I literally like had no idea she existed. And then I was in Epcot, and she was like, "When, when Jesus was a teeny tiny twinkle in his mother's eye." I don't know why she's Irish now. That was that okay. was very Irish. Yeah. I'm sorry about that. I guess that's that. what happens when you're stuck in Epcot for so long. Yeah, you just my, start you morphing just, into different yeah. dialects. My condolences languages. to everyone who had to hear that. That was that on my part. All but of our Irish listeners, so sorry. So sorry. All of our Italian listeners, so, so sorry. sorry. <laughs> but anyways, that's that's the gist of it. Is She's just like this old lady who wants to give kids presents, you know, for being good. Not in the, like, origins of La Bafana, because she goes way, 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 way back. But in the stories of La Bafana, every story, she didn't have her own child. Okay. Regardless of if she had it and lost it, never had it, couldn't have it. Like, there's that, right? But mm -hmm. she still gives to other children instead of, like, hating on them for not being her children. <coughs> My grandfather's third wife. <laughs> Sorry. Well, you know, flu season this year. Flu season! Anyways... So yeah, that's my information on uh, who did I have? Belschnickel and La Bafana. Beautiful research, Lily. Thank you. I did it for a change. <laughs>
And on that note, that concludes this episode of Just Ghouly Things. Thank you so much for listening, Boo Things. And without further ado, Lily, do you want to start shouting out our socials? It would be an honor. All right. Well, follow us on Instagram at Just Ghouly Things Podcast. Our personal Instagrams at Rebecca Ruber and at Lily Baldessari. Twitter, JGT Podcast. Facebook like page, Just Ghouly Things Podcast. Facebook private group, Just Ghouly Things Podcast group. Donate to our Patreon, Just Ghouly Things Podcast. Buy our merch for the holidays at tpublic.com. Search Just Ghouly Things. Podcast, probably. Yeah, I guess Just Ghouly Things would work. Yeah. Let us know. And if you or someone you know has a paranormal story that they'd like to share on our show, feel free to email us at justghoulythingspodcast at gmail.com. Oh, and if you listen to us on Apple Podcasts, don't be afraid to rate us five stars and give us a dope review yeah i mean who are you hurting if you can't send lily and i gifts for the holidays the best gift you can give us is is a a five-star apple review even if like you like let's say you're on like that htc samsung wave you gotta know someone with an iphone have them do it it's the season of giving yeah this is the gift that keeps on giving yeah it's secret santa like if you have a secret santa with your friends and you have an android be like, listen, all I want for Secret Santa, like, the price cap is $15. This shit's free. Leave Just Ghoulie Things Podcast a five-star review with a comment. Can't beat that. Right? What, what could possibly go wrong? <laughs> had to add that in there at some point in the episode. Well, we didn't say one, so we I had didn't. To... We had to add it at least at the end. All right, Boo Thanks. Thank you so much for listening, and we will talk to Boo next week. Goodbye. Goodbye.